Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Mark Rollins, coming to us from Syracuse, New York, and Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Windham, Maine. Mark, how are you, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Doing well. Uh, I can be found at Marker underscore Box on Twitter. And just got to say, love the uh, new intro. Really really switching things up here on me. Uh, It was the old intro the last time I was on. Big fan. Absolutely a big fan of the new intro. Love it. Love it. Thanks, man. I appreciate the feedback. That's great. And uh, Terry, where can the fans find you? And how are you? I wanted to destroy everything in this house um lots of technical issues before the show started tonight haven't gotten them all resolved i'm thrilled to be using my regular microphone um as well as my interface but um yeah uh, i'm I'm a little frazzled so uh hopefully i'll be uh 80 on my game but you can find me on twitter at cushman mlb and uh, lots of uh, interesting stuff to go over. One thing's for sure, Terry. I don't think anyone is going to believe that you are frazzled over the fact that Xander Bogarts, who's going to be our first talking point, opted out of the remaining three-year deal. So with that being said, why don't you take it away and talk about uh, Xander Bogarts right now? What is your take on what's going to happen with him? And then also the slew of other potential shortstops with the uh, off season, we have a lot of big names. It's going to be one of the more fascinating hot stove seasons in, in recent memory. There's just so many dynamics in play with so many different players, Bogarts, Devers, rebuilding a bullpen, hopefully, and uh, probably some surprises along the way. But with Bogarts, it's just a formality. Everybody knew he was going to opt out. He had three years remaining uh, on his contract at the beginning of the season. So he had two left at $20 million apiece. And officially, he is no longer a member of the Red Sox organization. If you looked up the 40 man roster right now, it's not going to have the name Xander Bogarts on it. He is not a member of the Boston Red Sox, which is insane to think about. You know, he played parts in two of the four world series that we've won this century. And just such a, such a mainstay in that Red Sox lineup as shortstop played here far longer than Nomar Garcia Parra did, who I think played with the Red Sox for parts of like seven or eight seasons. So Bogarts just uh, wrapped up his uh, 10th season, of course, 2013. Um, You know, he came in at the tail end, but the Red Sox are going to offer him uh, the qualifying offer or they're going to issue that to him. And that's basically a one-year 
uh, deal essentially for just under twenty million. Now he'll he'll decline that as well. What's significant about it is if he does sign someplace else and and he declines the qualifying offer, the Red Sox are going to get a compensation pick from the team that signs him. All those other players are going to have them as well. Um, you know, Carlos Correa, Dansby Swanson probably will have uh, a pick attached to him. So it's kind of confusing. We're going to go over some other names that the Red Sox are probably going to give the offer to. Uh, one or two names anyway. But not a huge shock today. And like I said, you know, mostly just a formality at this point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's it bums me out a little bit, you know. If, like you said, looking up the forty man roster and you don't see the X man on there, that's a little uh, little upsetting. But hey, it, we all sort of knew this was going to happen, and it's just one of those things that I. The more I think about it, the more I think the Red Sox might give him a deal that he likes. I don't know. I've just been been getting this weird feeling in my gut that we haven't seen Xander play his last game in a Red Sox uniform. If you asked me this three months ago, I would have said he was in LA or one of these other teams for sure. But it, like I said, I'm just getting this little gut feeling. And, you know, if they don't sign him, I, I don't know, we're probably going to have Jose Iglesias back playing shortstop or some, you know, something. He's back on the free agent market again this year. And Jose has been good since leaving the Red Sox. I never wanted them to get rid of him, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. I always. I always really liked Jose Iglesias. That guy's a hell of a little ball player. Um, but it kind of sucks. I I think he'll get a reasonable deal for a player of his caliber. He's a really, really good shortstop. He improved defensively this year. And the hitting is always going to be there. I know sometimes it's 30 home run power. Sometimes it's 15 home run power like it was this year. He's going to get a sizable deal. Now, will the Red Sox be able to sign multiple people to sizable deals? You would hope so to the Boston Red Sox, but I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm not positive we've seen Xander in his last game for the Boston Red Sox. There's been so many times over the last three, I'm going to say two, three-ish years, I'm going to say two years, that the question marks surrounding Xander Bogarts, will he stay? Will he go? Will he get traded? Will he go to LA? Will he go to New York? Has come and gone. And there have been times during this year where I said, you know what? I'm okay if he leaves. I'm really okay. If we trade him and we get something back, I'm okay with that. Because you're starting to see a player that's starting to create a little bit of a headache for the team. Not really good. With the list of names and shortstops that are available for this offseason, there's no question he's going to get the QO. There's absolutely no question he's going to turn it down. Absolutely. He's making more money uh, if he doesn't opt out than the QO. So it doesn't make sense. Where he's going to end up, where he's going to play, still remains to be the, the big question. Because if you have the option of having Xander Bogarts or Dansby Swanson or Carlos Correa – Xander Bogarts is the oldest one of those three by a couple of years. I think Dansby Swanson and Carl's career are both 27, and Xander Bogarts is 29, going to be 30 if he's not 30 already. So he has that going against him. 
the one thing that he does have going for him is that the first 10 years of his major league career have all been here in Boston. And Terry mentioned it already. He's been a part of two World Series teams. So it's going to be kind of weird to see the, you know, the X-Men not wearing Red Sox colors. But I've been bracing myself for this for over a year now. It's, it's been on the wall. And the fact that we, we absolutely missed signing another player that's still not signed long-term is just mind-boggling. And uh, I don't think this one will hurt nearly as much if this, this deal doesn't end up going our way. But mark my words, this had, this, this had an opportunity to be damning, for the lack of a better term. So I'm, I'm not shocked that this, is, you know, this was the first bit of news that dropped for the Red Sox, and we all knew it was going to happen. I don't think anyone sat there surprised. I think it would have been more surprising if he did just opt in. Because then it would have been a classic case of, I really do want to finish my career here. I really hope that we can figure this out and restructure it. But that that really wasn't the uh, the case in, in, in this circumstance. Uh, Terry, is there anything else you want to add about X? Yeah, I just want to point out, you know, one of the aspects that, that makes this fascinating. And, you know, it, it has to do with Bloom and, and ownership. If you go back to spring training this year when negotiations started and it was a very short period because you had the lockout and you know the teams were scrambling to sign people and get spring training rolling but Xander had uh, coming into the season three years left at 60 million so that was 20 per and in his brief extension talks Bloom offered him only one more year beyond the three he was guaranteed at 30 million. So that would essentially make it, you know, a four year, $90 million deal. Now I'm not crazy about overpaying for Bogarts. I'm probably the least craziest of anyone on the staff. Am I gonna, if he, if he does get overpaid, am I gonna throw a tantrum? No, absolutely not. But I'd rather overpay another guy who's a little bit younger, a little bit more clutch, has much better October numbers. That's, of course, Devers. But going back to those figures, four years, $90 million if if Xander took the low ball extension. Here's what's hilarious. Offensively, he had a pretty tame season compared to what he's had. Only 15 home runs had hit uh, 23 or more, and I think he was even over 30 at some point in the last three or four years, uh, had uh, over 100 uh, RBIs in uh, two of the last four years. And it, he just wasn't super robust this year. And he might get double the $90 million that he was essentially offered. So if that happens, and, and he could get even north of 180, you know, the number could start with a two conceivably. But if that happens, it's just curious to me, did Xander Bogarts, did signing him end up being more of a mandate from ownership? Because theoretically, Bloom shouldn't be any more motivated to, to give him a bigger deal after the season as he was before it his his offensive numbers were, were down a little bit his average and on base looked okay but the power just wasn't there 
like I said. And I don't know. I I don't think Xander handled the pressure of the situation well, and I think that's kind of a contributing factor. But it's just going to be extremely fascinating to me um, to to see how it plays out. It's interesting because I was just looking at the old uh, baseball reference page, aka the greatest website on the face of the earth, and better than Fangraphs. I prefer Baseball Reference, yeah. Um, just just because fan or Baseball Reference is so much more, it's so much more well organized, and you can find you can find anything you can find on Fangraphs. So I think it's easier to find it on BB Ref. And you don't need a PhD <clears throat> to read it and translate yeah, it. Exactly. Um, Xander Bogarts's OPS plus was higher this year than it was last year, which is a shocking fact to find out. It was one thirty one this year compared to one twenty nine last year. RBIs were down by only six. He had four more doubles on base went up, average went up. And we've seen this whole, excuse me, power outage thing from Xander before, you know, in 2017 and he hit 10 home runs. He was coming off a season the year before he had 21. It's just a thing that happens to him. Sometimes he sort of loses his power stroke and then he always comes back and has a good power year the year after. So I'm not really worried about that. It just sort of seems like a thing that happens to him sometimes. And something I thought of before, uh, but failed to mention the qualifying offer leading to like a compensatory draft pick. Talk about things I could not care less about. I've been on the train that draft picks in baseball don't matter in the slightest for a number of years now. Don't tell Andrew this. Oh, I will. Who cares? If Mike Trout's getting picked 24th and, you know, Mike Piazza's getting taken in the 68th round of the draft, none of it matters. The MLB draft matters so much less than any other sport. It's not even funny. You might take a guy first overall that never plays in the big leagues. You take a guy in the 20th round that's a Hall of Famer. It happens more in baseball than it does any other sport. You know how many first overall picks are in the Hall of Fame? One? One. Who is it? I got to know. Bonds? Er, no, it's not Bonds. No. No. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait. It might be two. I could. There's a we. It's either one or two. I just can't remember if one of the other guys was a first overall pick. All right, let's play this game. Okay. So let's play. Give us three hints. Can't be abundantly obvious. Both of them, if it is two, played in the nineties. Okay. Were first ballot Hall of Famers. Like, was no King, doubt, inner circle guys. Was King Griffey Jr. first pick first round? I think he was. He's the one that I'm pretty sure is. Yeah. And there's one more that went in similar time to Griffey that I can't remember if he was or if he was just a top prospect. So I will double check that. Okay. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of other players that played in the 90s. American League? Let me just double check and okay. make sure that okay. he was the – First well, overall pick. Yes, know, he was. So there are two. So um, there are two. Okay. National League. National League. Craig Biggio. No. Damn. He wasn't a first ballot guy. Took it took Biggio like three years to get in, Which despite is, the fact he has three thousand hits. It was yeah, so that was stupid. insane. Um, I'll I'll come back to that one. Um, but you, you did hit up on something of the fact that 
he does find his power stroke and he can lose it at times. I find that to be one of the most frustrating things about Xander Bogarts. That it's and the fact that he needs to take fan, but it happens. Like some guys, you know, he's not you know a forty-five is... home run guy. He never he's has been. Been. No, he's 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 hit the thirty hit a uh, thirty banger one time in his career. It was uh, like yeah. four years ago. That was the only I think once or twice he had hundred RBIs. That was one of the years. Um, but Xander Bogarts has this ugly tendency to need a day off before a day off or another day off after there's no game played. I know that Tara and I have gone kind of hand in hand on this one. That's frustrating. And when you need your guys out there, he's not playing. That's frustrating. Played 150 games this year, 144 the year before that. And barely, barely crossed the plane for 10 home runs. He had 15 or 14 this year. Two years ago, he had 10 and 50 games. So he's on pace for 30-plus for the year. Where is that? You cannot have a guy who's expecting to get $30 million lose their power stroke and be not an A in the field. I'm sorry, but that's the, the days of him getting that kind of money gone. Had he put up 30, 100, 300 you know, 30 homers, 100 RBIs, and a 300 batting average, two, three years in a row. I, I could see that. Okay. But you follow up 30 with a COVID year, so pass, followed by like a pretty much an off year. Like you didn't really get the job done. And then this year, yes, the batting average went back up. The home runs were down. RBIs went down. Um, I think strikeouts went up. Uh, and you mentioned his OPS plus went up a little bit. I'm sure his batting average went up. His on base must have gone up. Mm-hmm. Probably everything else went up. Doubles, you said, went up by four? Yeah, he had 38 doubles this year, 34 the year before, 23 okay. home runs last year, 15 this year, uh, 118 strikeouts, 113 last year. So that's not really, you know, five that's strikes. A wash. Yeah, that's, that's a, a wash. wash. That's a wash, yeah. Um, um, yeah, average con- went up 12 points, on base up Sorry. seven. And uh, the the big, the only dip really was he slugged 493 last year and slugged 456 this year, which for that's, starting, that's a result of the home runs. Yeah, and that's all the home runs. And starting right, right. shortstop slugging 456, I'll take that. Uh, Xander Bogarts, I think earlier this year at the beginning of September, mid August, I posed the question: uh, totally legit or calling the cops? Xander Bogarts is going to have more than 12 point or uh, more than 11.5 home runs. And 58 RBIs. He just, he wasn't getting that episode. And the only person that said I was calling the cops, I'm just going to say, everyone else was like, yeah, that's legit. I don't think he gets there. I was the only person that called the cops. I knew he was going to go. So is you, me, and Terry then. Yeah. I just, it just did not feel good with Xander. It just, it, I don't know how else to say it. It was not fun. Watching Xander Bogarts play the past couple of years has been fun and frustrating at the same time. Just uh, a couple of things real quick. Um, number one, four of Xander's 15 home runs came on August 31st or later when there was very little pressure at that point. So not uh, not really a tough situation there. And I just, just one final observation for me. The one thing that gives me anxiety about the, de- uh, the, the Bogarts saga here is... What if Bloom and or ownership 
look at signing Xander as a way for say 180 million as a way to not pay Devers 320. Uh, that gives me a lot of anxiety because I think we're going to win a lot more games with Devers than we are Bogarts. And I really wanted them to get the Devers deal done first. And that's gotten pretty quiet in the last week or so. Yeah, it's just, it, it'll, it'll happen. It, the talks will pick back up. It, the offseason has barely officially started. We crowned a World Series champion like three days ago. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and start, like, over-worrying about this stuff because we're in, like, the first official day of the offseason when people are, you know, declining options and things like that. You know, free agency I don't think has even technically started yet, which means that Edwin Diaz deal with the Mets is technically an extension, and no one is talking about that. Um so I'm not even going to like worry about that sort of stuff yet. It's so early on. It's early November. It's the track record of the front office that, that scares me though. Like there's, there's not a lot of things they've gotten right. And, and there's not a lot of things Bloom's gotten right. Quite frankly, either. I mean, his, the saving grace of the entire Bloom tenure here is that he got Garrett Whitlock in the, in the rule five. Without that, I mean, it's been it's been pretty bad, and we were so bad in 2020. We were going to get Meyer anyway, or or one of the pitchers that mm -hmm. we missed out on. So I don't give Bloom any credit for for that. <laughs> but anyway, so I feel like we can we can make it this a whole episode on Sander, uh, just because of. I think the fact that he's been one of the, the major catalysts, one of the big go-to guys, I mean, we, we could talk about this all night if we really want to. Xander will always be loved. It doesn't matter what team he goes to. When he comes back to Fenway Park, if it's not a, as a member of the Red Sox, whoever's the catcher will come out and stand in front of home plate and give Xander Bogarts a proper one- to two-minute ovation to make sure that those fans celebrate him. Um, but with that, since we were talking about the QO, we have a couple of other players that the Red Sox had play in 2022 that are QO eligible. So the first one on the list, we have JD Martinez. Terry, do you think that JD Martinez gets the QO? No, and I think there was a report a week ago, and I keep forgetting about this, but um, the Red Sox apparently have already indicated that they don't plan on on giving him that so not a surprise i i don't you know he you complain about xander having a, a bit of a power dip jd martinez just massive dip and fell off a cliff to the point where you just kind of hope he gets his career back on track because he he has been on record saying he wants to play into his 40s but but with that regression this year, I, I don't think he gets there. And certainly not worth almost $20 million for a single season. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I I don't think he's going to get it. I really don't. like. I'm sort of indifferent on if he gets it or not. Um, JD's, JD had a really interesting season. You know, you, you think about the season that J.D. had, and it's like, oh, man, he stunk. 
He led the league in doubles last year and hit one more double this year. The extra base hits are still there. It Are they going over the fence as much? No, but there's clearly still value in this guy's bat. The bat speed may have dipped a little bit, but you know, I, I think if they do give it to him, I wouldn't really be upset because I think he would accept it. He's not going to get that from someone else. He's not going to get nearly $20 million a year. A 35-year-old, or about to be 35, I think. I, he was 34 this year. I don't know if he, he just turned 35. Um, 35-year-old DH that provides zero value in the field. These guys end up playing in Japan. That's just the way the free agency market works now, and it's a shame. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a shame because... There are guys that should have been major leaguers right through the end of their career that had to go over there. Adam Jones comes to mind. He was a 32-year-old outfielder that had to go play in Japan because no one gave him a major league offer. Adam Jones was a really good player for a long time. I don't know what he thinks he'll be able to get on the open market. He should be begging the Red Sox to give him the qualifying offer. He should be saying, please give me nearly $20 million a year because I don't know if I'm going to get more than 10 elsewhere. It Take it or leave it. If he gets it, I'm fine. If he doesn't, okay. J.D., thank you for a great four years. Thank you for a World Series ring that we certainly wouldn't have won without you. Um, it made David Ortiz's retirement a little less painful a couple years later. I'm with you on that. I think at this point, with everything that we've seen, we've had J.D. Martinez for, for five years now. You know, the, the, the 5 125 is over. He had a ridiculous first year. You've already hit up on the fact that he had one more double this year than he did last year. His two highest career years with doubles were 2022 and 2021 when he hit 42 and 43. He's hit the 40 home run marker twice in his career, one as a member of the Red Sox, one when he was split. He was uh, started the year off in Detroit, then he got traded to Arizona, and then had a monster. His monster. second half in Arizona was Bonds and 01. It was amazing. I've oh, never seen incredible. anything like it. Dude, it was 29 insane. home I mean, runs in two months. Yeah, it was insane. It was it, crazy. He he was he could have had 60 plus if he played the, the whole full the full season. So my thing with JD Martinez is that I don't see him getting the QL. You saw a major dip in the home run pop, and having a DH. On the Red Sox, we got options at DH. It doesn't need to be a $20 million, 35-year-old guy who's a liability in the field. There are going to be other names that are perhaps not as sexy, maybe not even close, that are going to be getting a fraction of that and will be more than serviceable. You can find an option for a third the cost easily. I mean, heck. The I think it was the the Mets that just got Vogelbach for the one point five yep. team option, mm-hmm. and he's got pop. He can hit fifteen twenty plus home runs. His batting average isn't going to be that pretty, but he can do that too. And he's got one point five one point five million. JD Martinez is not worth twenty. He's probably going to get you te- if a team is willing to get him. He's probably going to sign a two for twenty six, two for twenty four, something like that. Outside of that, I, there isn't going to be a market for him. But you mentioned something that there are players that once you at a certain age, they go out to play in Japan. There's one anomaly to that, and that's Nelson Cruz. 
Nelson Cruz is 43 and he's still hitting home runs. I, I, I don't know how old he is, but he, he was a member of the Washington Nationals this year, had kind of been a journeyman. He's been with like six or seven different teams, longtime Texas Ranger. This guy's not going to hit 3,000 hits, but he's already hit four, 400 plus. Um, and I think he's already got 2,000 hits. So is he a Hall of Famer? No. Is he still exciting to watch? Eh, maybe not. But I, he's not in Japan. I'm, I'm just going to say Nelson Cruz, sneaky borderline Hall of Fame case. He's he's going to stick around on the ballot for a long time, and he's going to get some, some late ballot love, I think. Only thing working against him really is the failed drug test which he then proceeded after he failed that to hit 40 home runs, 44, 43, 39, 37, 41 in the years following his failed drug test, all of which were numbers that he had never hit before. Right. And he's also an anomaly in the sense that when, when most folks get older, they don't do as well. He went from 29, 24, 27 to 40, 44 and 43, which is something you don't see very regularly, but um, who knows? Uh, Terry, is there something you want to add about him? Yeah, just real quick. Um, 30 of J.D. Martinez's 43 home run, uh, excuse me, doubles. 30 of his 43 doubles happened before the All-Star break. So that w- was a hell of a nosedive for him. And having said all that, if he could be had for 10 or 12 million, I think Bloom jumps in on that. It's just whether or not another team doesn't give him more than one year. So I just don't think it'll be the qualifying offer, but I think there's a reasonable chance you, you could still see him back on a one year deal. We will see. Uh, next candidate we have on the QO market for the Boston Red Sox. Nathan Avaldi, starting pitcher who's had some moments of brilliance, some World Series heroics, and some uh, consecutive no-shows. So, uh, Mark, would you like to lead this one off about Avaldi? I think I'd give it to him. It'd call me crazy. you crazy. Our starting, crazy. Our starting, buddy, our starting pitching stinks out loud. Just give me someone somebody that might throw a good game every once in a while. Like legit. What's the act like the legitimate? It's like 19.1 million. 19.65. I think 19.6. Okay. I just throw it at him. If he doesn't take it fine, he will, he will take that. It's fine. He's a starting pitcher. He's someone that we can put in the rotation. I mean, what you only threw about 110 innings this year, I think 109. Yeah, like I, I'm fine with that. I don't know why. There's just maybe I'm still just thinking of 2018, and that could entirely be the case. I just want someone that every once in a while is going to give me six shutout with seven strikeouts and call it a day because the Red Sox don't get that anymore. Chris Sale is made of glass. Rich Hill is 59 years old. It, everyone on the in the rotation stinks. Everyone. It, just give me someone. And if it's Nadia Valdi, that's fine. If you go out and get someone better, even better. But I know Eovaldi is a guy that 80% of the time 
I can trust when healthy. I'd say there's going to be those bad starts where it's like, wow, Nate Evaldi's giving up four home runs and two and two thirds innings. This isn't great. Um, but give me a guy that 75, 80% of the time I can trust with the ball in his hand. That's all I need. When you look at postseason heroics, Evaldi's nine innings, which lasted into the 18th inning of that game three against the Dodgers. That's going to be in the top five all time as one of the more heroic performances. Having said that the four years on that $68 million deal didn't work out super great. There were a lot of injuries. There was a surgery on his elbow in there for the, the bone chips or whatever. And then he's literally limping to the finish line at the end of it. And his fastballs topping out at 90, 91 miles an hour, way too many red flags. I mean, we've missed the playoffs three out of the last four years. And you put a guy like Evaldi in there next to a guy named Chris sale, who's probably not going to make 15 starts. I just think you're, you're running a, a serious risk of missing it four out of five at that point. I just, I would, I would stay away from Evaldi. I hear it. I I completely understand it. Uh, Mark touched up on the fact that we're kind of limited as far as starting rotation goes. That's not a question mark. That's a statement of fact. Evaldi has been with the Boston Red Sox for five years now, four, four and a half years. He's got 26 career wins. Three, two, four, 11, and six. That is the win totals for Valdi in each year as a member of the Red Sox. What else would you like to know? The last three years, we've seen Valdi's ERA slowly climb. Not, not by that much, but we've seen it go up a little bit. Health remains to be a question. Health remains to be an issue. But one thing that is saving him, as far as memory goes, and you know Red Sox fans and their nostalgia, an eight-inning relief appearance at Dodger Stadium. It, and it, was, took- it was six, by the way. It was six innings. Six innings, excuse me. Really? I, thought, I thought it was, I thought yeah, he, so it was, I, it was only six innings. I just double-checked the, the game log. He came in in the 12th? Yeah. I, I, okay. okay, so I apologize. My bad. I so thought he basically pitched a complete game. No. Okay. My bad. I, I must have been mistaken then because I thought he came in and pitched longer than six innings. But that is going to go down as one of the most unbelievable performances, not only of his career, but I think in playoff history. That was insane. As far as giving him the QO, I can see an argument being made for both. But considering the state of our rotation, I find it difficult to not give this man the QO. Because this guy, at, uh, we said it was $19.6 million? Yes. So he's getting a $1.6 million upgrade raise, essentially. And it's going to be a prove-it deal. Can you prove that you can stay healthy for a whole season before a team is willing to give you another contract? But the arm's got some miles on it. He's already had surgery on it. There are a couple other injuries that are creeping up. So 
that's that part of the, I understand why some people don't want to give that offer. If we had a better starting rotation or better options, I'd say let them walk. But right now, I can't. So I'd give them the QO. Terry, you want to say something? I thought I had something to say, but it's just... I want to be done with it. I really do. I just think there's better options out there. There's sexier options. You you might be able to get a guy for three or four years to 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 be the quite frankly the guy we've needed all along. You know the last few years because Bloom has done almost nothing but miss, except on a on another guy we're about to get to. Perfect. So why don't we uh, get into that, and I'll let you lead off with Michael Waka. I would not hesitate one bit to to give him the qualifying offer. And he had the best year of his career. Yeah, he he spent probably what five or six weeks on the injured list himself, but came back, everything was fine, pitched very well. And even if you give him the qualifying offer, I, I think he probably declines it anyway. I I think he's probably worth somewhere in the neighborhood of three years, 45 million. That's about 15 million per. And I think he's got the best stuff of of anyone we had last year, quite frankly. And there's far less risk with a, with a guy like Waka than, than there is a Valdi. So if you're going to bring someone back, he's my guy. What? Why do people think Michael Waka is Nolan Ryan? I will never understand. <laughs> this guy has stunk for a decade. Michael Waka has been bad. Not okay, bad. The year before, his ERA was over five. The year before that, his ERA was six point. Six. He's had, let's see, one, two, three, four. Four of his full major league seasons have all had an ERA over four and a half. His fifth last year, you know, the fielding independent pitching was 4.1. So clearly he was pitching above his head with the low ERA. Michael Walker is worth $5 million. I wouldn't even imagine giving him the qualifying offer. People think he's a sure thing. It's Greg Maddox. It's the way I hear people talk about Michael Waka blows my mind. He has never been that good. Also, you say his stuff is better. He tops out at 88. We're talking about Eovaldi's fastball dipping. Michael Waka is an 88 mile an hour meatball with a little bit of a change up next to it. Like, I I will never understand it. it. I'm I'm glad that Red Sox fans think we found something in this guy, and it was a fun story. Michael Waka stinks. I am I will never never give that man close to twenty million dollars. I wouldn't give him twenty million dollars over three years. Oh, you had me. I was like, yes, preach. Oh, that that preach. was that was an exaggeration. I would give him. Okay, I yeah, would yeah, give him course. twenty million over three years. Of course, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Terry, a qualifier for, for Michael Waka, that's that's just no. He had more wins this year than all the prior three years combined on three separate teams. Mark already mentioned the fact that his ERA over the last three years was way over five. 
and all of a sudden he found Jesus and was able to throw his second complete sh- game shutout of his career, I'm not buying it. I'm not giving him the cue. I'm not touching this guy. If if he's willing to come back to Boston, three for 45 would be fair. He's probably only going to pitch two full seasons out of those full three because of injuries that there's no question he'll have. The only season, excuse me, the only two seasons since 2013 when he joined the league that he's thrown 30 starts, thrown in 30 games or more, 2015, 2017. Since then, hasn't come close. A couple 23s and a 24. He's missed over a month, over a month in three of those seasons. Two months in 2018, and then you had the COVID year. Did poor in that one as well. So I can't give this guy a QO. If he wants to come back, I would give him a two or three year deal at 14, 15 per. You offered 345. I won't I won't argue that one. I was thinking more like 228 or 342, something like that, because uh, I'd rather suck up the loss on one of those years than give him 20 million and then we lose him for the whole season. It's just it's it's bad. It's a bad look. Plus, you're going to be giving a, a QO to a player who's had a career season, but we still haven't signed either Xander Bogarts or Rafael Devers. Uh, if that's you know the angle that we want to go from, but that's just my two cents. I I just I can't sign a player based on one one great season because he's due for some regression in 2023. He'll be 31 years old as well. Uh, anything else you want to add to that, Terry? Yeah, I 88 miles an hour sounds extremely low, and I'm not I'm not seeing anything. Um, perhaps Mark can pull up the data real quick, but. Um, he did an okay job at, at keeping the ball, you know, in the park, he gave up 18 home runs. I mean, that's not astronomical by any means. His walks per nine was only 2.2. That's on the lower end. You'd like to see some more strikeouts, uh, you know, from, from a guy like Waka, you know, he typically might get five or six per game, but, there was nothing wrong with his control. And when you, when you go back to the season before last, the last six weeks with the Tampa Bay Rays, his changeup had improved and, and was a game changer. And, and that was something he featured for much of the 2022 season with the Red Sox. And he had a really impressive final six weeks with Tampa. And, and 2022 was a continuation of that. When you're talking about risk, I still feel like you're going to win a lot more games with Michael Walker than you will Nathan Avaldi. I really believe that. And for for one year, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it for one year. Like, I, w- I will apologize. I was thinking of his cutter, which averages 88 miles an hour. He throws that more often than he throws his four-seam fastball, which is why I was thinking of his, his four-seamer is 93. Okay. So I was seeing I was seeing ninety one to ninety two, but I didn't I, I I thought it was somewhat formidable, but yeah, a- average four seam velocity this year was ninety three. I just saw him throw that fucking meatball cutter so many times that I got sick and tired of it. Also, pardon my French, Michael. <laughs> I jar. hate Michael Waka. Yeah, that's okay. It was it was only partially the f word anyway, but um, but I, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I'm not. I just. For one year, I'm I'm totally good with it. 
we can agree to disagree there. I'd be curious to see, you know, how our listeners feel. Uh, but I let me point out one observation though. Bloom didn't even want to talk to Nathan Avaldi last offseason about an extension. There were no talks during the season, and he had a pretty impressive start. He had a pretty impressive, you know, April, May, June, and um, still nothing. So I just don't think there's going to be a ton of motivation uh, on his part, uh, you know, to bring him back. I, I could be wrong, but. But uh, I, I think you just put it perfectly. Um, we can agree to disagree. And I think that's where we're going to finish up on Michael Waka because there's some, some points to be made for both. Uh, we're going to segue into another starting pitcher, Rich Hill. I don't think there's going to be much discussion for this one. <laughs> I'm not giving him a QO. Mark, do you want to add anything else that might counter that? Or are you just going to say same? Only thing I'm giving Rich Hill is a ride to the nursing home. Boom. <laughs> Got him. There you go, Mark. Got him. There you go. Uh, Terrence, anything you want to add? I'll uh, drop him off his lunch uh, a couple hours after Mark uh, takes him there. That's about all I've got to add. All right. So that's Rich Hill. We're all aligned there. And the last name, I think it's just adorable, Matt Strom. He's on the list. He stinks. <laughs> I think he's all right. I wouldn't mind bringing him back. No. No, I, I wouldn't mind bringing him back either. I actually kind of like Matt Strom's stuff, but him being on this list is just laughable. It's it's, it's adorable, but he qualified, so we're all yeah. aligned. He's not going to get the QO. Has any um, reliever ever gotten it? The closers have. I believe. I was going to say. I believe. I believe Chapman. Oh, okay. Uh, was Chapman offered got, it. Yeah. Not closers though. No. Yeah. No. Like who are the best hold guys back in the day? You know, like a couple years back, Darren O'Day was good. Um, Cleveland close, uh, not Cleveland's closer. Um, Houston's closer. He was a hold guy for a while. Um, Presley, he was. I think right. Brian Presley yeah. was the hold guy. He was an he eighth never inning got guy. Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, Deline Batances. I don't think he ever got it. He was a no. stud. Uh, we never gave it to uh, you know Daniel Bard. Um, I don't. I don't think. I don't think a no. regular o- would have to do take a closer. Yeah, it would, ha- it would take a closer. So, uh, other news that we had pop up was with Tommy Pham. Uh, Tommy Pham had a mutual $12 million option declined. Uh, Terry, anything you wanted to say specific pertaining to that topic? Yeah, I mean, that's not a huge shock. Uh, Tommy Pham is, he's either 35 or he's about to turn 35. Doesn't really hit for average. He's a defensive liability in the outfield. Uh, you look at a guy like Kike Hernandez, who's going to be paid $2 million less than what Tommy Pham would have been had, had his option been picked up for $12 million. Kike at 10 and and you just get so much more of a player out of Kike with basically elite defense. Kike, not a high average guy, but he he has a pretty good amount of pop these last few years. He's a doubles hitting machine. And can help you win uh, in so many more ways. Uh, just twelve million for a guy like Fam, who who is really dinged up, uh, you know, the last few weeks. It's just not not very good value there. And I think the Red Sox would would rather save that money and uh, you know allocate it to a different part of the team. I agree. Uh, Fam is fine. 
I got to know what's in the water in St. Louis, man. How do they keep bringing up these outfielders that have like two good years? They flip them for guys and then they just go to crap wherever they go. And fam's been solid, but Stephen Piscotty comes to mind. Uh, Randall Gritchick comes to mind. Like there's, there's these guys that they, they always do it. They do it with pitchers too. Michael Waka is one of them. He was with Shelby Miller and uh, who was the other one? There was another one that was part of that group that name escapes me right now on the like 2013 Cardinals that lost to the Red Sox. Well, Shelby Miller, you, you can't give him credit because Shelby Miller was a trade pick. He was originally a Diamondback, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't that no, the, the... No, they traded him to the Diamondbacks. Or no, he went to the Braves and then the Braves traded him to the Diamondbacks. Okay. That was part of the Dansby Swanson right, 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 Toussaint right, right. trade, but that right, was after right. his time with the Cardinals. Okay, all right, um, there we go. That, uh, but they, the Cardinals just work this black magic. There's one other guy I'm thinking of that's going to drive me insane. Yeah. Cardinals have also been one of the most cursed franchises in baseball. Oh, it was Carlos like, Martinez. I was thinking of Carlos Martinez. Oh He's god, yeah. Him and, him and Joe Kelly. Red Joe Sox, Kelly yeah. was on that team. <laughs> yeah, the the Red Sox had Carlos Martinez for a, for a hot cup of coffee, and he uh, he didn't last. But yeah. the Cardinals have also had one of the worst luck. I mean, it's it's them and the Angels with starting pitchers, and then uh, injuries or deaths, like but, well, awful, yeah, the- <laughs> awful luck. But here's the thing: they always sure. get rid of the guy first. Right. It's a, they bring a guy up. He has a three-two array for like twenty right. starts, and they're like, yep. "Okay, bye, bye." Get yep. we're, we're yep. trading. It's the, pa- you now. it's the Patriots methodology. It's you're you're getting rid of a guy one year early as opposed to one year. Early. It's it's amazing how they do it. They're doing that, great. That organization is run to a T. Uh, I'm so jealous of the Braves and the Cardinals. I always will be. They're just great organizations. I, I think the Braves are are. I mean, we we've talked about this in, in a couple of prior shows. But the way that the Braves are constructed and run from top to bottom, incredible. Incredible. They're getting these players to sign contracts that are 60% of what they could be worth. All, all I know, I think Alex Anthopoulos might be a fan of the Second Amendment because there's no way he isn't holding a gun to these guys' heads when they sign those <laughs> contracts. I mean, Michael Harris is like, oh, $9 million a year? Sure, I'll never be a $30 million player. Like, it. There's got there's something. I don't know if he's got dirt on or all maybe, his families. It's something. Maybe he takes the Vito Corleone approach. You know, make him an offer it, he can't refuse. <laughs> it has to be. Has to be. something. They're gonna pay Ron right. Grisham like nine dollars an hour. There's a, yeah. Here's here's your minimum wage check for the next fifteen years. It's uh oh man that that's crazy. We just kind of went on a little freestyle off of Tommy Pham. I didn't think that was going to happen this evening. Um, there was one other player that was also eligible for the QO, but he ended up signing uh, a deal. And, and Terry already mentioned it too. Uh, and, that, and that's Kike. Real quickly, uh, I'm happy that he's coming back. I'm really hoping that Pine Bloom does what he uh, said he was going to do: bring competitive team around this team uh, or, or just bring a competitive team here again because it's been a while 2021 we overperformed 2022 we got exposed um any little tidbits you guys want to add about kike just glad he is back because 
our outfield is is a wasteland and they're talking about absolutely. trading Verdugo which I keep saying that's a conversation for another show but absolutely you just where where do you go without having a guy like Kike I agree uh Kike or Nen- I mean another reason why I, I think they, they made the smart move here is signing Tom Pham for two two million more than Kike or Nenna's a guy who's already been here for a little while I think would have been a, a subtle slap too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like it may seem some like kind of trivial, $2 million, but Tom Pham is not $2 million better than Kike Hernandez. Definitely doesn't bring the same level of pizzazz. Um, our, our next name and final name is James Paxton. One of the most frustrating names ever uttered by any fan in the American League East. Uh, Terry, anything you wanted to throw out or throw at James Paxson. Well, the Red Sox declined his $13 million option today. However, Paxton can still exercise a $4 million player option. Um, I, I think the deadline for that is probably at some point this week. And that's another guy I'm just not crazy about because how many starts are you going to get out of him? Yeah, he has a fully rebuilt elbow, but... Who's to say that shoulder that hasn't had a normal load in the last few years won't go out? And I think he's had some lower body injuries. He had a glute injury, which I love to point out because I had to look up what a glute was. <laughs> what? Was, which is an you had to look up what a glute. I didn't was? know it was an ass muscle. And uh, but it's called the gluteus maximus, Terry. I I didn't know that. <laughs> To me, it's an ass muscle. and uh, But anyway, I just... Lots of weird injuries, and it's not super common to really go 200 innings, but I don't think he's done that once in his career. Hasn't come close. 160 is his career high. See? I I want no part of him. You, you have Sale, Evaldi, and Paxton... On the team, you're lucky to get a 35 combined starts out of the three of them. Just let somebody else take that plunge. If we had, if we had a solid rotation, if if we knew Whitlock was going to pan out and be a, a quality starter next year, if we knew Bayo is going to continue what he did the last month or so in his last five or six starts, and then you told me Sale would be salvageable. Then I might say, okay, let's take a chance on on Paxton, but it just feels like there's a bunch of landmines and a lot of the guys we might be pursuing. So I'm a hard no on Paxton. I'll give him the four million. Four million, I don't really care that much about. That's if you get anything out of him, that's a plus. If you don't, eh, it's a one year, four million dollar deal. That's the definition of a you know prove it deal. So that I, that I really don't hate. Um, I'm glad they declined the 10 because absolutely not. Uh, but James Paxton, you know, when he's healthy, which we haven't seen in a number of years now, has some of the most electric stuff in baseball. James Paxton is filthy when he's right. I mean, his strikeout numbers uh, in the, the last three years when he made 20 starts, 10.3, 11.7, 11one per nine innings. Guy strikes guys out. He's got that big curveball, got that big slider, fastball's electric, a lot of movement on it. 
I wouldn't hate giving him if he opted into the player option. I'd be like, okay, maybe he'll start 15 games next year. And it's like, that's something, I guess. $4 million, 15 starts, that's fine. Um, but outside of that, no, I'm it, if he doesn't uh, opt into it, rip Bozo. Uh, see you later. Doesn't he have to do it, though? I mean, who's going to give him $4 million? I feel it, like that's a lot. Yeah, it, he he probably will if he if he's smart. He will. He's not going to get much more than that on the open market, unless all of a sudden every starting pitcher signs in like a week, and someone's like eh, James Paxton, and they just toss him six. But he's not going to get close to double digits. I want Verlander. Oh God, I just was hoping we were going to go a whole episode without <laughs> talking about that bum. Uh, I'll take. I want to win the Powerball. <laughs> We're not getting Verlander. I mean, yeah, no, this, this, he's a that's free agent. Let right. me tell you right now, we are never going to get Justin Verlander. Yeah, it, yeah. That, that, that why ship not? Sailed. Why not? That ship has sailed. But he's real quickly on Paxton, wants to stay in real, Houston. Quick, real quick on Paxton, I, I, I'm with Mark for four million. I would do that. That makes up for the six million dollars that we gave him last year. I will defer now back to you, folks, on Justin Verlander. That's fine. I just I'm not sold that Houston's going to go after him. I mean, it makes sense, but you know, McCullers is serviceable at least during the regular season. He's coming off of a pretty good year. Framber Valdez was out of his mind. Hadn't even given up a home run in Houston since July 3rd. Um, that was a, that was unreal. Cri- what a crazy right? that. <laughs> it was an ins- Christian uh, Javier um, Javier, yeah, very much on track, you know, the same path as Valdez. So He's I'm, a stud. I'm just not sure that it's probably going to cost the Astros a minimum of 30 million over well per season. I'm assuming Verlander will get, probably get a two year deal, but it, he could get 35 to 40 million on the open market. And I, I think he did redeem himself in that final uh World Series start where he went five innings. It was a, you know, he walked the tightrope a little bit, but ended on a strong note. So I don't, I'll admit right now, total long shot that the Red Sox land him, even though it's obviously my pipe dream. Uh, But I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he stays in Houston, though. Uh, I, I don't think, well, the only other uniform we could see him in by the end of his career is the Detroit Tigers if he decides to go back. It's Houston it's not and Detroit. I, I don't see him going anywhere else unless Steve Cohen decides to give him $50 million a year. It could happen. And just start rebuilding the 2013 Tigers in New York. Um, but I, he's going to stay in Houston. What? Like, yeah, having all those starters is great. Why not have more? Why not have five great starters? That's sort of what you want to do. That's right. the point is to get five really good starting pitchers. I think you named four. They're miss they're missing a a true like workhorse ace. You know, well Framber very well could be that. Let's see more than just like one and a half years out of Framber before I'm willing to call him that. But we're talking about first ballot future Hall of Famer here. It just give him a blank check if you're the Houston GM. Just be like, all right, Justin. It, two years. Oh, you want you want 40? Yeah, that's fine. That's more than okay. We'll give you 40. I wouldn't yeah. rule out the Dodgers though. They're getting rid of uh Kershaw most likely and and Kate Upton 
has some Hollywood ties, you know. Kershaw. I mean, the, the rumors of Kershaw potentially going back to Texas. I don't know, man. From what I'm hearing out west, Kershaw wants to finish his career as a Dodger, he, and he's willing to take a pay cut to do it. Clayton Kershaw might sign for like twelve million dollars, and then just throw, and then just throw thirty starts with a two four ERA again he, next it could year. Happen. And, <laughs> And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Dodgers need that because their rotation had major blows here. Gonsolin's not going to do that again. Anderson's not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bueller's injured. Urias is your best pitcher. Kershaw coming back for $10 million, $8 million, I see that happening. I also see them adding a potential starter. A Name Carlos Justin Rattano. Verlander. I don't think Verlander's going to go there. If your if your rotation is filled with injuries and anomalies, you don't want to sign a forty year old. <laughs> exactly, it's not going to happen. That doesn't bode well. They got to add other people. Yeah, add other players. Anything you guys want to add on that? I'm good. I'll, uh, nah, I got nothing. I'll have got my nothing? next Verlander fantasy on the next episode. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Don't ever change no, Terry. Just just, uh, just give me Carlos Rodon instead, please, for the love for of God. For how many years? I that's another guy I have trust issues with. I was all four, four one twenty. One year. Four years. I'll, I'll give him three. Three. I, I think it's gonna take a fourth year to get him. I can live with three, but I can I can live with three for a guy that just had like a two eighty RA and struck out fifteen guys per nine. <laughs> I wanted him for on one year, uh, the one year deal. Why couldn't we have him? You know, and right, right. Now yeah, I, I agree. It's I agree. Going to cost at least three or four, and I think that elbow. I think Jason put it well. It's a ticking time bomb. So, but we'll see. We got in late on him. Anyways, uh, Mark, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure to see you. Terry, a pleasure as well. To all of our dedicated and loyal listeners, we appreciate you. We thank you. And we look forward to sharing some more stories and other show topics real soon. Everyone have a great night. Take care.